Well, what a, a story this is. You've been in this for a few weeks now, Jonah, this prophet of God. He disobeys the Lord. So it's quite a rare thing, really, in, in the Bible. A prophet just flat out going against what God says. He seals off in the wrong direction. Then, amazingly, while he's fleeing, a storm breaks out. He ends up being thrown overboard. He's left to die. And then even more amazingly, this big fish comes along, swallows him whole. He's in there three days, three nights, and he's spat out on the beach again. So Jonah, you know, he's thinking, right, I really ought to obey the Lord here. Uh, it seems I've got no choice. And so he goes to Nineveh and he gives the Assyrian people, that's the, the empire of the time, the Assyrian people, this message from God. What is the message? Well, it, in a sense, it's simple. It's straightforward. It is repent or be destroyed. Repent of your ways or be destroyed. So such was their sin, such was their violence and their disregard for human life. They were a wicked people and God's judgment was very much upon them. They had to act. But then incredibly what we saw in chapter 3 was that they responded and they responded immediately to Jonah's message. So they repented of their sin. They promised, vowed to give up their wicked ways. They began, we're told, to call on the name of the Lord. They were crying out for his mercy, weren't they? And God heard their prayer. He relented. What a story this is. And folks, isn't it really a story about God's grace? So God saw the vile wickedness of the Assyrian Empire. He saw that they had this violent streak, their bloodlust, their failure, total failure, to grasp just how precious human life is. But instead of just kind of squashing them or wiping them off the face of the earth, God graciously then, he sends, doesn't he? He sends a prophet with a message. And even in the face of Jonah's disobedience, God graciously sends this fish to bring him back on track. This is a story about grace upon grace, mercy after mercy. You know, it's often the case that people have a problem with the Old Testament. So they think sometimes that it speaks of a different God, to the one in the New Testament. And maybe some of you have wrestled with this idea before. The New Testament God, they might say, as seen in Jesus, he seems to be so full of love and peace and joy. And yet when we look at the Old Testament, this, this God seems so big and kind of distant, remote. He seems unkind, actually, because he's full of wrath and judgment. He's a God of war. That's maybe the perspective that they have. But let me ask you folks, why is it that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh in the first place? Why was he so desperate to disobey God and run in the other direction? Well, it's so clear from this story. It's because he knew that the Lord would show mercy. 
Listen again to the opening verses in chapter 4 here. To Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? You can hear the frustration in him. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love. You're a God who relents from sending calamity. So Jonah's problem was not that God's, you know, sort of, he he had wrath, he had judgment against sin. Rather, it was that God was full of grace and compassion. It's like in Jonah's mind, he's too slow to anger. He's too loving. It's an incredible picture here we're getting of our God. Folks, there is only one God. The God of the old and the New Testament. Everything that we see in Jesus, this man who was so into peace and love and mercy, he was full of humility and so on, but he was not just a man, he was also a God. He's the same God as the Father. The God of the old and the new are the same. What we see in these verses here, Jonah is quoting a famous, very famous passage from Exodus chapter 34. We also heard it repeated in the call to worship at the start of our service from Psalm 103. So in Exodus 34, Moses is up the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And God reveals himself powerfully to Moses. And he declares about himself. So he describes himself In this way, he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's how our God describes himself. So the Lord wants his people to know exactly who he is, exactly what he's all about, he is compassionate. He shows grace to those who do not deserve. He is slow to get angry. And that is despite the violence and the depravity of mankind. He is abounding in love and faithfulness. So he's not short on those things. He's not stingy with those things. Rather, his love, his faithfulness just flows from him abundantly. And what does he do with that? He forgives. He forgives wickedness. He forgives rebellion, those who have turned their back entirely. He forgives even the worst of sins. Folks, what we see going on here really is that Jonah has lost sight of the heart of God. This is the heart of our God that we're speaking about. And Jonah's lost sight of that. So he well knows the wickedness of the Assyrians. He knows all about the damage that they have caused, the lives that they've taken, the other lives that they've totally ruined. And he longs for justice, doesn't he? He longs for God to pour out judgment and give them what they deserve. We can sympathize with that a little bit, can we not? 
You know, when we hear awful news stories from around our world, wickedness, evil dictators, and look, we don't have to think twice about who that is at the moment, vile leaders who spread their hatred and bring death and destruction. There's a part of us that would love God to hold them to account for their sin. But folks, we must never lose sight of the heart of our God. See, what Jonah was doing was he was neglecting two things in particular. Firstly, that our God is saddened. He is saddened by our sin. And we actually learn this right at the beginning of our Bibles. So listen to this from Genesis chapter 6, right in the days of Noah. We read this, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all of the time. And it grieved the Lord to his heart. It grieved the Lord. Folks, God is grieved by our wickedness. He is saddened as we, his creatures, reject him. And we treat each other with such hatred and violence we cause pain. Secondly then, Jonah also forgot something really important. He forgot that though God's word contains judgment, his love does not cease. Though his word contains judgment, his love does not cease. So the message that God gave Jonah to give to the Assyrian people in Nineveh was severe. It was turn from your wicked ways or you will face destruction. So the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he had judged their hearts and he had found them to be wicked in every way. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because what did God do? He graciously sent his prophet. He graciously gave them a warning. And when they repented, God graciously relented and showed them mercy. Folks, our God's heart, his desire is that all men, all women would be saved. His love for this world is so strong that he was willing to give his one and only son knowing that he would go to the cross. The cross. He knew that Jesus would drink from the cup of God's wrath until it was empty. This is a love that knows no bounds, folks. And you know what? We... Not someone else. We should thank the Lord that this is the case. Why? Because we are wicked, wretched sinners as well. You know, this is precisely what we hear in Ephesians chapter 2. Because Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. He's speaking to reformed believers here 
But he's saying you used to be like this. You used to follow the ways of the world and the ways of the devil. And you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then he includes himself because the language changes from you to we. We lived among them, those who still don't believe, at one time. And what were we doing? We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And listen to this, like them, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Folks, the human heart is one of rebellion and sin. And it's so vital that we understand this and grasp this. Everything about our nature, from the moment we're conceived, desires to reject God as our king. But Paul says this in Romans 5. He says we were enemies of God. But then we became friends. You see, there's the bad news that we find in Scripture. And it really shouldn't surprise us because we know our own hearts, don't we? In fact, let me put that to the test. If I said right now, we're going to stop the service, and I'm going to show on these screens here your life. And it's going to show everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, but it's also going to show even the thoughts that you've thought in your life. Every single one of them. How might you respond to that? How would you respond as people watch and see what you're really like? If you are anything like me, you would be deeply ashamed. Paul says we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. Folks, we deserve God's punishment, just like the people of Nineveh did. Jonah knew that. But he had lost sight of the heart of God. The heart of God that's captured in the gospel message. Listen to how Paul describes the good news then as he carries on in Ephesians 2 verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. So we were once dead, unable to do anything, but God graciously made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, for it's by grace you have been saved. This God's mercy is staggering. Because despite our sin, despite the fact that we're dead to that sin, God showed mercy. He graciously makes us alive in Christ. And one preacher says this, this is not a love in the absence of judgment. It's a love in the presence of of it. Isn't that amazing? It's not that God's leaving aside his judgment or his justice. It's very much still there, but his love carries on anyway. We are sinners. We don't deserve this, but he gives it regardless. In the days of Jonah, God showed mercy to even the cruelest and most wicked people. And that gives us hope then, doesn't it? It gives us hope that God's mercy is not beyond us. He is rich in mercy. When we think about being rich in this materialistic world, we only think of one thing, and that is money. But God is rich in mercy. It's never at the expense of his justice, though. This is what Jonah couldn't accept. 
He thought that God was laying aside justice, but he wasn't. He wasn't doing that. And how do we know that? Well, we know this side of the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus died in our place. That's where God's justice was carried out fully. Because on the cross, Jesus faced the full wrath of this holy God who abhors sin so that we didn't have to. It's all so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be freed from the penalty of our sin. Not from the presence of sin, because we do go on struggling with it for the rest of our days, but we're freed from the penalty of that sin. Folks, the gospel is yelling out to us from these scriptures. Stop trying to earn salvation. You're not going to please God by the way that you live in order to earn salvation. Rather, put your faith in Jesus. Jesus died to save you from your sin. So why, this is the question that screams from scriptures, why carry your guilt one moment longer? Why carry it one moment longer? Jesus has taken it. He's taken it on the cross. Very finally then, just to finish with Jonah, the last little bit, God teaches Jonah a bit of a lesson to finish. He's so downcast. He's miserable. He longs to die. He's really responding quite petulantly to God's mercy. But he still has this kind of hope that God's going to do something, in fact, to destroy these people. So he goes outside the city and he sits and waits. What are you going to do, God? What are you going to do? And of course, it's another hot day in the Middle East. If Nineveh were still here today, it would be located in the country of Iraq. So Jonah's getting roasted by the sun. The Lord provides then this shade, this plant over his head, an act of grace yet again in the book of Jonah. But by morning then, the plant had withered. A worm has eaten it, and a wind has come along, scorching Jonah's head. But these verses make it abundantly clear. Who's behind all this? It's the Lord. He makes the tree grow, yes, but he takes it away. He provides the worm. He provides the wind to scorch. Listen, though, to another example of God's grace. As he's done in verse 4, he does again in verse 9. He gently asks Jonah a question. He allows Jonah to respond. He, he encourages Jonah to speak. But sadly, though, Jonah doesn't see this as grace. His response is one of bitterness and anger. Sometimes we can be like that, can't we, folks? Despite God's mercy... We're angry about something. We're bitter about this. Why has my life turned out like this? Jonah's response, he longs to die. But thankfully, Jonah doesn't have the last word in this book. Because it's the Lord who speaks one final time. And he teaches Jonah this incredible lesson. As much as we might have concern for things in our lives. Our heavenly father cares infinitely more, infinitely more. Jonah was concerned and bothered about a plant, a plant that was here today and gone tomorrow, quite literally, a plant that he did not make, nor did he tend to. 
And God says, you're concerned about that. Imagine how deeply concerned I am about 120,000 people of Nineveh. People who I have made in my own image. People that I know each by name. I know their hearts. I know the amount of hairs on their heads. I know their hopes and their dreams. Folks, this book, it finishes with an incredible contrast. The cold, vengeful heart of man exposed in comparison to the loving, compassionate, and gracious heart of the Lord. Jonah wants destruction. God wants to show mercy. Folks, I trust that you know this heart of God in your own life. I hope and I pray that you're so aware of his unending mercy in the face of your own sin. In Jesus Christ, we find a God who in his own words has not come to condemn us, rather to save us. This is the same man who the religious leaders were constantly saying, why is he always with sinners? Why is he always with the tax collector or the leper or whatever else? Folks, Christ came for you and for me, for those who feel unworthy, for those who know they don't stack up against our heavenly Father. He came to show us God's mercy. He came to show us the extent of God's love by dying on the cross to take away our sin so that we don't need to carry that one moment longer. Amen. Amen.